Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Me About Your Book. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. It is summertime right now, so I'm really excited to talk to a romance author because everything's kind of bright and sunny and happy. But I want you guys to say hi to author Pernilla Hughes, who's written a few books, and it's called 10 Years. But hi, Pernilla. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm excited that you're here because... I'm always happy to talk to romance authors because there's something about reading your books that just makes everything just happier. <laughs> we are a happy bunch. We are. I think we just want to spread joy and happiness and kissing. I think that's really I'm what okay we're all about. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into your book, can you tell me where you are? So I'm speaking to you from uh, the home counties of England, a uh, county called Buckinghamshire, which is I'm um, just about 40 minutes out of London. Oh, I'm in the hot heat, Houston, Texas weather. <laughs> uh, we have, it's supposed to be summer, but we had rain, rain today. But that's that's Britain for you. When we get sprinkles, we get really excited because our our projections are always in the like the 90s and the 100s, so like 101, 102. So yeah. we get a little bit of rain, we're like, yes. <laughs> no, we, we we can't even cope with that kind of weather, that kind of heat. No, 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 no. Right. That's, um, we, we're very weather orientated here in the UK and we will moan about it raining. And then as soon as it gets vaguely sweaty hot, then we just start moaning about the heat. So that, <laughs> we can't win it either way. <laughs> so you can only wear so much like like summer clothes that you can always tolerate. That's why I like the cold. I can always add more. That's what I always say. But once oh, it's hot, like having oh, bare man. feet though. Bare feet <laughs> can't beat having bare feet. <laughs> but let's get into your book. Can you tell me what 10 years is about? Sure. So 10 years is a slow burn, haters to lovers, humorous romance. And it spans 10 years, funnily enough. And it roams from London to Snowdonia and from Brighton to Cannes as Becca and Charlie, they try to complete a loved one's bucket list, despite the fact that they hate each other. Uh, that's kind of odd. That's kind of cool that you put you pit them together, I guess. That's the fun part of the book. That's the conflict. That's the thing is, it's we they banter and they spar. And uh, I think for my, you know, I enjoy those books to read uh, and Enemies to Lovers book. They're not so much enemies in this, but they're, they just have hate each other since university. But the thing that's kept them together in the same orbit is a woman called Ali. And Ali was Charlie's fiance and was Becca's best friend. And then right at the beginning, Ali dies. And it's her wish oh, to complete that they might complete this bucket list for her. And so really, because they loved her, they want to honour her wishes. But at the same time, that really means they have to be in each other's space, which they find almost intolerable. I almost want to see this in a movie form also. Well, I would like to see it in a movie <laughs> form. <laughs> Do you get point of views from both parties or? Yeah. So the book is structured. So you have uh, each year is split into two chapters. 
Each year is alternately his and her viewpoint. I write in third person, uh, but it's still from their angle. And then the first chapter in each year uh, updates us as to what's happened with them and what's going on with them. And then the second chapter is the actual task that they're doing together. So we kind of moved through the years in that fashion because it made sense. 10 years is quite unwieldy. So from a writing point of view, I needed to have quite a firm structure and to work that through. But also it means I can, if I was just to write what happens to them every day through 10 years, A, it would be a very long book and also (laughs) it would be very boring. So it means that I can kind of skip and then I'll bring up what's been important to the last year Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully that's then kept the pace going. Ah, How was it writing either side of of the conflict? Was there a big challenge from one character to another? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. And Becca... (laughs) She is a very, she's spiky. And, and you know, oh, from some nice. points of view, from the readers, some people find that quite what we call Marmite books. You either love it or you hate it. And uh, Becca, she rubs people up the wrong way, but she is one of those women. You know, she's a messy, flawed woman. But, you know, if you read the book, then then you'll hopefully see why she's like that and what she then overcomes during the, the arc of the book. Charlie, of course, he he's also heartbroken, uh, but he comes at getting on with life in a very different way. And I think this is what I was partly looking at through the book is, is grief, obviously, but also how people deal differently with grief and how we change. But I loved being able to write two very different, and I tried to make them quite polar opposites in many ways, also in their past and how they see things. So that was really great, actually, to be able to sing my teeth into that but then also in doing that that's where some of the the conflict and the, and the bickering really kind of comes up and I do love to write a bickering scene you know as they chuck insults backwards and forwards but in a they're not very very rarely are they vicious but you know it does come up now and again but generally it's just how you would have you know people who just don't they just rub each other up the wrong way no. in that way no How was also writing the intense part of the grief of passing away of a best friend? Because when we pick up a romance book, like I said earlier, we expect a lot of sunny, rosy elements in the book. But then you also put in the the tragedy in there, which honestly, I love that fact because it's more relatable to some point. It's more human to me. But how was writing that part? It was tricky in a way because obviously it's a romance. I wanted to be happy. I want people to come away. And so for me, I have to write funny. I can't write straight. So that naturally kind of came in. Mm -hmm. But also there was, has to be light and shade. And so right. when there was a sad scene, you know, bringing some humour equally, I, there's goes the other way as well. And I had the situation where I start this rom-com, and it is essentially a, a funny romance. I start it with a funeral. And I was thinking, well, that feels like a bit of a gamble to me, mm-hmm. uh, but that's the best way for me to tell this story and for people to get to know Ali, who is a character, but she's not there. She's almost being written in a kind of uh, shadow form. So I needed to bring that up really fast to show how much she meant to people so that we could really see how she's affected everyone going forward. But once that's happened, then we're off. And so it was a challenge to make sure that the grief was there, 
because that it is about looking at how other all different people deal with it but at the same time the humor naturally comes to the way that I write and so it was really keeping that balanced I mean I write looking at the books I have each one I think is some kind of therapy for me because I'm looking at something and I with this book I was looking at maybe how I would deal with a big grief Mm -hmm. uh and so kind of working that through so from a personal level it was like kind of how looking at that and then naturally just letting seeing where there has to be humor in uh, you know if you look hard enough you will find humor and we have what do we call black humor sometimes and we have gallows humor so if you look for it you'll find it possibly what was quite tricky was that I I wrote this during lockdown uh here and from that point of view the world was not a funny place and so sometimes trying to find levity in that was was quite hard on a practical level I couldn't really get out and research the places that I was writing about but in terms of just the the feeling and the mood at the time, yeah, not really knowing what was going on in the world and and what when it would come to an end made that a bit difficult. But I hopefully I've got through I got through it and and still people say certainly that they're laughing with my characters. I was going to ask how has it been since you published the book? Oh, because the reviews. I mean, if you look on Amazon, are just delightful really I mean there are people who found Becca too spiky (laughs) okay (laughs) but then you know what I think with a flawed character there's always going to be that and I don't necessarily believe that all characters need to be women especially women characters need to be likable you know Mm -hmm. if you can show a realistic flawed woman uh you know in your 20s and early 30s when we are messy and we are just learning Mm -hmm. and we are making mistakes why would she be perfect? She never would be. Right. And so that whole thing about a woman being unlikable, I find problematic. It's just maybe she wasn't amenable or maybe you don't quite understand her. But if you bear with me, I'll hopefully explain it if you, you know, right. come with on this in this story. So from that point of view, but no, I think it's been just the reviews are delightful, really. And then there's been interesting things with tropes where Becca... It's her best friend who's died and she's been very, very loyal to her best friend. And loyalty Mm -hmm. is another theme that I have running through because, you know, it's quite interesting that when someone dies, we suddenly are not allowed to speak ill of them anymore. And that isn't realistic, is it? Because some people are just not nice. And so (laughs) why should we suddenly not speak of that? Ali is a good woman and obviously, but... She will also have come with her flaws, but Becca can't see that at all because this is her best friend. She's a loyal, loyal woman. So effectively, I've had some reviews saying, I can't read this book because the whole trope of somebody getting together with their best friend's man just shouldn't be. And I was thinking, well, actually, that's exactly the same point that Becca would say. She would never, you asked her before, say that she would even look at Charlie because it's her best friend's man and it's not a spoiler because effectively it's a romance and you know that mm-hmm. this is going to end in a happy ever after or at least a happy right. for now that is the so. deal we, right. exactly that's the deal with a romance isn't it and the contract we have between the writer and the reader but it's been interesting then that people have said oh no that can't be right and exactly as my character has saying that can't be right and yet hopefully right. uh, I've been able to show how we'd overcome that Right. But to me as a reader, thinking, oh, that doesn't 
that doesn't sound right or it shouldn't be that way. There's a curiosity of how are you as an author going to show me out of that that slump of like, I can't read something like this. So exactly I, I definitely love the fact that, well, let me let me go into how you're going to show me in a storytelling way that, you know, that debunked that thought. So but that's great. You you're know, you're that's the readers great. we love. <laughs> it's like, bring it on and show me. And I think that, that openness to the book, right. I really appreciate. Because if somebody says, oh, I can't read it because of this, it's like, well, that's a shame. Because, yeah, you know, you, you're missing out on a yeah. beautiful story. I mean, and at the cool. end, if you still are not convinced, that's that's on that's fine because to me you and as author you did your part in a way that piqued our curiosity and to me it's pure entertainment but I also get I get to read about loyalty and friendship and love which is what I aim for when I pick up a book like this so absolutely absolutely. so if I've completed that deal and also I would argue I mean how many times do we hear about somebody who's been widowed and they're usually older where they actually they've then got together Mm -hmm. with the the uh the late partner's partner because Mm -hmm. they had things in common they were friends already and they have history together and that's not uncommon but I think maybe there's the view that no no you can't do that earlier in life and (laughs) uh, I think well maybe we should debunk that bit exactly as you say and things like this do happen so it's not so out of this world if you're willing to read a fantasy about dragons you you know this should definitely be something that you can open your mind to but anyway. and this is what it's just an openness isn't it at least right. uh, have your mind willing to be opened and right. give it a shot absolutely I agree <laughs> I agree <laughs> so what else can you tell me about you as an author Panilla? oh so I am um, well essentially I'm a mum who who writes while my kids are at school but my kids have lived my I have four children I had four children mm-hmm. under the ages of five so when they were really little I couldn't afford to go back to work because childcare was way too expensive <laughs> and uh, so I stayed at home and then when they were napping napping or some of them at school I would write during that time because I had always felt I might have a, a well then it was a children's book in me and uh, so I started with a correspondence course where I was just trying out children's books I had come from the company um, I used to work at the company that made Teletubbies so it was oh. a very children's <laughs> orientated yeah. company so I thought it would be a children's book I'd write I did actually get two of those touchy-feely books optioned but then that company changed its direction and, and they got dropped but I kept the money which was great (laughs) and then I started writing picture books and it was as much a hobby for me and also to keep my brain going because little children are not great for conversation then I started writing middle grade and then I wrote uh, YA books and then we have a paper here called the Sunday Times and it had a travel section in it and in that they had some little short stories I read one of those and I thought, I think I could write one of those. So I deconstructed it and and tried and I sent it in and they bought it. And that was so exciting for me. And I wrote uh, 36 of those over the following two years. Oh, and wow. So I was getting practiced and, and they would edit it and, and I would then learn to be not so precious about the words. And then I saw a tweet about a story in an anthology of women's fiction writers where three spaces in this anthology would be for unpublished authors. We just had to write a 5,000 word story about being on holiday in some, anywhere in the world, uh, it had to be holiday themed. 
And I sent one in and I came runner up. So at that point, and only really at that point did I realise that was where my writing voice lay. And then I thought, okay, going to have to write something full size now. And (laughs) I wrote my uh, first novel and it was called Sweatpants at Tiffany's and it's set in a bo- an old retro boxing gym and a woman which uh, Tiffany then inherits and she's not a sporty and she doesn't really know what to do with it and we then see what happens there that book is now has been retitled it's called Punch Drunk Love so that's that was my debut and then it, I followed it up with a book called Probably the Best Kiss in the World which is partly set in Copenhagen and is about Jen who is a real control freak uh, but would like to be a brewster so a female brewer they're quite quirky and then they're not set in the usual kind of girly places but those are the stories I really wanted to tell women kind of those fish out of water stories women in more low-key places and how mm-hmm. do they get on with that and how do they deal with that so those are my first two books now I'd probably say more straighter rom-com and then 10 years uh I would say it's more of a funny romance baby if there's just a slight distinction there in that because it's grief it just is, is not quite as light and fluffy as the first two but hopefully people seem to enjoy it as much and that book came from I had lunch with my editor after we just published probably the best kiss in the world and we were talking about what to do next and something that had kind of come into probably the best kiss was that love comes at a price and I think I had stolen that off that you remember that program called once upon a time the one that was kind of set in um it was a U.S. series set in fairy tale uh, yes yes anyway I think I think one of the characters said that and it really stuck with me and it resonated with me and I was still that had that left over from the other book. And I was trying to think, well, what can I carry that on with? And she wanted to see a book that kind of spanned many years. So we were then talking about this dynamic of two people that didn't like each other, having to do something for someone who had died. And actually the price there for their love is they paid up front uh, in the fact that Ali died. That they and, lost someone, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And then we were trying to work out, well, why, why would they keep coming together? Uh, because why would they? They don't like each other. The funeral right. really should be the last goodbye. Don't right. need to ever see you again. But they have a common common thing that tethers them together. Well, it's exactly that. So right. then the common thing that's tethered them has gone. And so why would they? Why would they keep coming back? And so it was mm-hmm. really on the train home from that. I thought, actually, I think it's a bucket list. I think it's she's asking them to do different things. And then I was really sitting and, and thinking about, well, what would these tasks be? Um, and of course, I went, all the first idea was all wild out you know you know it would be things across the planet and you know see Niagara Falls and and do mad things and actually and maybe this came down to the pandemic as well insofar as I couldn't go and research any of those things it dawned on me that one of the characters Becca she is a pretty much out of work actress she doesn't have the money to go to Rock in Australia or do those things they had to be more smaller and uh less expensive and more realistic i think so that actually formed some of the book just naturally but it also meant that you know if i couldn't go and research it because we were in lockdown god bless youtube because i was (laughs) (laughs) following other people i had my notepad and pen and i was following them as they filmed themselves doing the thing that i (laughs) wanted to have at a task and then I also had to go back into my own past because when I was working for Ragdoll who made Teletubbies part of my job was to go to Cannes twice a year to the program markets so I thought well I can write about that because I know it and I've been there so that then comes into the book as well 
I love hearing that. I love hearing how the puzzles fit together yeah. and then hear the final product is a beautiful book. So thank Sometimes you for you sharing that. Work out, you know, how do we make this work? And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the themes of the book is make it happen. And it's something that it's a kind of a little mantra I've had for years. Just make right. this happen. You want it, you've got to make it happen because it's not going to be given to you. Really, it was it, kind of an offshoot from that is that, you know, things are tricky, but let's make this happen. How do we do right. it? I love that you mentioned that you have to think about the logistics too. Can we even afford this? If I read something like this and go, oh, so they go on a huge monthly trip or a huge yearly trip every year how how do you afford all this how does this even make sense I love that you touch on that because as readers we want to be relatable and I would hate to yeah I would hate to read something that's that's like this and I'm sunk into it and then thinking how do they go to Paris every other month how does this work (laughs) you know Uh, you're right and I do that thank you yeah I'd like to my books to be at least vaguely plausible. That idea of, I know when I read books and I sit and think, oh, that would never happen. Would <laughs> and, and really that draws me out of a story. Sometimes, so yeah, me, definitely. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And that really kind of distracts. So I was really quite keen for things to be, I think the most extravagant is a skydive, uh, which I know that I can do like not miles away from me. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a doable thing. But other than that, it's it, they're they're local or they're within the UK. Yeah, they are. They don't travel in that way. The can thing comes later. So really, it, it was really kind of working out what would be feasible for her to do and afford and accommodate. They mm-hmm. can't just offer a week. You know, she has to be around for casting calls. So yeah, mm-hmm. those things. When you really delve into your character, you need to be able to really think about their world in terms of logistics right. as well and possibility. Right. So, Pernell, where can we get your books? Well, so my books are available uh, at all good booksellers. You can order them in. Uh, I know that 10 years in its paperback form will be available in Barnes & Noble, but I'm sure there are other many, many amazing independent booksellers who, if if they don't have it, they will order it in for you. Otherwise, it's available online, uh, online retailers, uh, including Amazon, and uh, it's available in ebook and audiobook and uh, paperback. Thank you for that. I want to say thank you again for coming here and telling me about the rom-com world that you've created. This is such a an amazing set of books that you have. If your listeners would like to try before they buy, then uh, on my Ooh. website, which is www.panellahughes.com, there is a free short story if you sign up to my newsletter. So from that point of view, you can kind of get a gist of my tone, if you like, without paying a penny. Well, I think they should still buy all the books. Well, that would be great. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Any last minute thing you want to say before we go today? No, just that I'm available on Twitter and, well, Twitter's still going, Instagram uh, and Facebook too. But it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I hope you come back to talk to me on your next work, on your next project, whenever that happens. But congratulations, because 10 years seems like a movie that needs to be made. It needs to happen. We need to make it go out there and get we it make done. that happen shall yes. we that would be yeah. great <laughs> <laughs> but thank you Pranilla. i will talk to you next time take care thank you okay, bye thank you for listening to this episode of tell me about your book please continue to support indie elders and indie bookstores and if you would love to support tell me about your book podcast 
you can certainly do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash tellmepodcast. For a price of a coffee, you can support monthly for just $5. There's other tiers too in the memberships and you can look at all the info about it and I would certainly, certainly appreciate it. And of course, there's the other podcast, Books, Cats, and Snacks, where Caddy and I talk all things book and about her cats too. See you then.